Today on Locked On Horned Frogs, Jordan Hudson moves on to SMU. Does that make the Iron Skillet more interesting? Plus, the baseball team, uh, they win a big series on the road, keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. We'll talk about all that next on Locked On Horned Frogs. You are Locked On Horned Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horned Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Horned Frogs, your team every day. We're brought to you by one of our new sponsors, Bird Dogs. Uh, really comfortable shorts. Appreciate them hopping on board. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, I think we're just over 630 subscribers now, so we're working towards 650. That's kind of the next milestone that we'll hit hopefully soon. You can also find us wherever it is you get your podcast and audio form and subscribe there as well if you would. Uh, we've been keeping track of former TCU players who have hit the transfer portal this offseason and have moved on to other places. And Probably, well, I would say definitely the biggest name that moved on was Jordan Hudson. Now, Jordan Hudson, the wide receiver, coming into a sophomore season, uh, didn't have like a ton of production from a receiving standpoint last year, but had some nice moments, played a lot, really towards the end of the year, seemed to become a guy that TCU trusted with Quentin Johnson moving on. Um, it felt like he was kind of the next dude, like Savion Williams is obviously going to be wide receiver one on the outside, but Hudson could have ended up being the go-to guy even this season. Um, but reports were they did not have a good spring camp and was kind of lost in the depth chart, and then he hit the portal. And so he instantly became one of the biggest names in this second portal window. And on Sunday, the news came down that he is committed and moving on to SMU. And he joins Kyron Chambers, the corner uh, from Oak Cliff, uh, who is also committed to SMU. So there's, there's different branches to this story. Uh, first, from a TCU's perspective, obviously they can pretty easily replace the production that he brought to the table last year. There's really not a question about that. Uh, I do think there's a question of this was a, a guy who seemed to have a right future that the coaching staff was excited about. I don't know what really transpired in the offseason that changed everything. Um, he briefly entered the transfer portal uh, you know, in the, in the winter time, like in that first portal window, and then came back. Didn't have a good spring camp by all accounts. You know, Jeremy Clark from Horn Frog Blitz reported that, um, and others did as well, and then hit the portal again. Now, I mean, did he have a bad spring because he wasn't putting forth all this effort because he knew he was moving on somewhere? That seems possible. Um, I'm not sure what all went down in that regard. I just know he's leaving. And so the, the big issue TCU has now is I think in the immediate future, there are questions about that outside wide receiver position. We talked a lot about the inside guys, JoJo Earl, John Paul Richardson, Jared Wiley at the tight end position, uh, potentially Jack Besh, the transfer from LSU once he gets healthy and gets rolling. But on the outside, you have Savion Williams, who had a much better season last year. Hopefully he's a guy who can take a leap and really improve. I think Savion's limited to a certain extent. He seems like mainly he is a big body, 50-50 ball type guy. I think he's actually better at that than Quentin was in some aspects. Uh, but he does not have the complete package as a wide receiver that QJ did. Maybe he can get closer to that ceiling this year with another offseason of work. You also bring in Dalen Wright, the Minnesota transfer. Um, who was at AM before that and really talented guy out of high school, has shown some flashes, had a huge game against Ohio State last year when he was at Minnesota. 
but overall hasn't had a ton of production. Now that's a Minnesota offense that runs the ball a lot. You know, they throw their tight ends. It's not necessarily an offense that um, where you have great wide receiver production, but I would say there's major questions about these outside guys coming into the season. How much can they produce? How good can they be? And Hudson, you know, leaves a hole there, even though from what we learned about, you know, how practice went this spring, maybe he just wasn't really up to the task for whatever reason. Needed to move on, needed to change the scenery. Scenery, excuse me. I think Jordan will do really well at SMU for what it's worth. I don't know about that specific game against TCU. That should be fun. Um, I know people like most most TCU people, the SMU game is an annoying thing to them. There's really not a lot TCU can gain from it. If they beat SMU, it's a game they should have won. If they lose, of course, it's, you know, a huge deal for SMU. Um, and it's kind of an embarrassing thing in the national landscape. Um, but it, it'll add a little bit of juice, right? They're coming to Fort Worth this year. I don't think the game will be nearly as hyped as it was last season with Sonny returning to Dallas. Um, but that's a storyline that will get beaten into the ground during game week. However, the other sort of angle to this that people are exploring is it really felt like, even though Hudson's recruitment dragged on for a little while once he hit the portal, um, it really felt like both him and Chambers had an idea of where they were going um, to a certain extent before they hit the portal. And there was a post that's like going around that somebody sent to me, Mason Stevens sent me, the, sent me this yesterday. Um, it's from like the SMU on three board. And it's a, a member there that's asking people basically to email him to set up donations for NIL because they're trying to raise money to get talent on this roster. And he says that several SMU alums um, are guys we should be thinking over and over because they went above and beyond to help fundraise for Hudson and Chambers and close deals. So they're pretty obviously – they're obviously saying here that they're paying Jordan Hudson and Kyron Chambers to come to SMU. I mean, that's obviously I – mean, that's – above board now that's legal um there's there's been some allegations and rumors of tampering i would not be surprised if that was happening my guess is it probably did happen but i mean like we can sit here and, and him haw about that as ccu people bottom line is this is the this is the new world like is it is it kosher to do it no probably not to a certain extent is everyone doing it yes i think so if dcu has legitimate concerns about it they can bring it up with the ncaa Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I probably should have looked at this before I, I got on the air. I can't think of any tampering violations that have actually been founded and have been punished in any way since NIL started. Um, this came about really fast. There's a lot of kind of fast and loose rules that people are skirting and getting around. But, yes, I imagine that SMU tampered. Um, and, you know, that's that's just kind of the game. Is it a, is it a good thing? No. Can we be upset about it? Sure. But is it is it part of the deal? Yes. And if these guys didn't want to be here, um, then you know it, it's they, it's within their right to move on. And honestly, if I don't know what the details of the money are, I don't know what they're getting. I know none of that. But if they're jumping ship to go to SMU, it shows you that they clearly don't want to be at TCU. I'm not going to fault anybody for taking a good deal, but it's not like they they got paid by. Ole Miss or Alabama or Oklahoma or, you know, some program that historically um, would would be seen as at least a lateral move, but more likely a step up from what TCU has been in the past. Uh, this was going across the Metroplex to SMU. So 
best of luck to those guys. I think both of them will be successful. I feel like Jordan will have a really productive career in Dallas, and I hope he doesn't do well when he plays TCU. But, you know, we'll see in September when they when they come to Fort Worth. Um, and he has landed there in Dallas along with Kyron Chambers. And that's kind of been, I mean, most of these guys that have left have ended up at group of five schools. Keen Stewart, the corner, he was at Michigan State. I saw over the weekend he flipped his commitment to Arkansas. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, but for the most part, it's been guys moving to places like Marshall. Um, you know, I've had a few go to SMU, places like that, which, hey, if, if there's not room for them or they feel the need to move on, you know, that those options are out there for them and those guys are taking them. Uh, when we come back, TCU baseball, really good weekend, got a series victory over Kansas State. We'll break down their tournament chances next. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Before we do that, though, I do want to talk about, I mentioned them earlier, one of our great sponsors, Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, they do shorts and pants. Birddogs.com slash Locked on College. You can get a free tumbler with every purchase. Listen, the thing about these, I had never worn them before. They became a sponsor of the Locked on Network. They sent me a few pairs of shorts. That's kind of a, you know, hey, we're, we're here. We're happy to work with you guys. And they're really comfortable. I'm actually wearing some right now. They're really comfortable. They fit well. And, and the great thing about them, you can wear them wherever. You can wear them at the lake, at the pool. Um, you know, you can just be running around doing errands. Uh, and they look sort of nice, too. So you can probably get away with wearing them to work if you want to, if, if your workplace is kind of casual like mine is. Uh, birddogs.com slash College. Again, you can use that code College to get a free tumbler with every purchase. Bird Dogs, I've been wearing them. Around the house, I've been wearing them out. Been wearing them to the baseball game tonight. Um, they're just easy to put on and easy to wear throughout the day, and we are happy that they are on board with us here at the Lockdown Network. Okay, so shout out to Elijah Nunez, the TCU center field. There, uh, Frogs on Saturday faced Kansas State in a rubber game. Dropped the game on Friday. Beat K State on, or excuse me, dropped the game on Thursday. Beat K State on Friday. I get my days mixed up because. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series instead of Friday through Sunday. Um, and so series came down to Saturday afternoon. And TCU had a 4-1 lead going in the ninth inning. Garrett Wright came in. He blew a save opportunity on Thursday. Got another chance. I had already given up a couple of runs. It was 4-3, but the bases were clear. There were two outs. Seemed like, okay, just get one more out here and we're golden. And uh, the K-State batter launches one to center field. And Nunez runs back. It was in left center. He got there in time. He timed the jump. He jumped and took the took a home run away. I mean, it was a clear home run robbery. Grabs it from over the wall, essentially, and brings it back. And with that, TCU won 4-3 to three and took the series on the road in Manhattan. So um, they have now won nine of their last 11. Rotation is looking better. Luis Rodriguez didn't have his best start on Thursday, but Cam Brown came in relief and actually did a really nice job. Um, Cole Klecker was dominant on Friday, six no-hit innings, and then TCU went up 8 nothing, and they pulled him because, um, you know, not really a reason for him to stay in there and, and run his pitch count up anymore. And so they'll actually get K-State on Wednesday morning in the first game of Big 12 tournament. I checked uh, D1 Baseball. They put out their NCAA tournament projections today, and that's going to change a lot this week as conference tournaments are going on this week. And so you're going to see some bid stealers. You're going to see teams, you know, on the bubble. They're playing games. And that's going to be a constant moving target. But as of now, TCU is actually a three seed in the Winston-Salem region, which would have them uh, facing Wake Forest. Or Wake Forest would be the regional host, um, which is interesting because Wake Forest is the number one team in the country right now. But we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Bottom line was they weren't in the final four in. 
Um, they were the last team in last week. And so they moved up a little bit to at least, you know, they're still, I would say, a bubble team, but they're not right there firmly on the bubble like they were last week. As far as what they have to do in the conference tournament, I feel like if they win two games, no matter who it's against, you're feeling good. Win two games, that means at least you go two and two in the Big 12 tournament. Um, you finish the season 12 games over 500, two games over 500 in Big 12 play. You got to feel good about that. I think on Memorial Day, you're not really sweating. You're just kind of waiting to see. You're probably a three seed. Maybe you – well, I don't really see a two seed happening unless they go on and win the thing or get to the title game. But you're probably a three seed, and you're just waiting to hear where you're going. Um, if you win one game, probably don't feel amazing. I mean, I think it's you're kind of sweating out Selection Sunday, and you're hoping that the brand of TCU baseball, which is something that's helped in the, helped in the past. It helped in 2019 when they snuck in. Um, kind of carries you to an at-large berth with a committee. And if you get skunked in one zero games, then I don't really see TCU getting in because uh, that would probably mean you're losing to K-State and Kansas unless there's an upset in that season, in that uh, opener between Kansas and UT. Uh, but bottom line is you need to win a couple more games here, ideally in the Big 12 tournament, to feel good about where you are moving forward. Uh, but as far as kind of more big picture stuff, if they get to the postseason, what's going on with the team – Again, as I said, that rotation seems to be finding its footing. Um, Rodriguez and Klecker are going in there and throwing strikes. Uh, and, and Steven Stoutenborough had a really good start on sun, Saturday as well. I should have mentioned that. And it seems like he's going to be your third starter from here on out. They might have it as TBD when the weekend starts, but I think he's your number three guy. I'll be really interested to see what they do with Cam Brown. Um, Cam's the guy that – in some ways, you want to hold on to him because he is a starting pitcher, and you just don't have a plethora of those of those guys that you could throw in a tournament situation or in a regional situation. But he did really well in a relief appearance this weekend. And going back to last season, I remember against Florida State, that game kind of got out of hand early. Riley Cornelio got touched up. Cam Brown came in and sort of stabilized things. They didn't win the game, but he put some zeros on the board, um, and you know, did I think he did something similar earlier last season too, he's shown some ability to do that. So maybe he turns into kind of a middle innings guy or at least somebody who could come in in the third or fourth if your starter gets um, touched up a bit and you're still in the game. But he did a nice job in relief. I'm not sure who they'll throw on Wednesday. I'd be a little surprised if they threw Rodriguez on short rest, but we'll see how that plays out. Overall, though, really good weekend from CCU baseball. They should have swept. Um, the one big concern is Garrett Wright. It didn't look great. And, you know, Garrett kind of is who he is. He's got electric stuff. He's going to get a lot of swings and misses. He's got that nasty slider, high-velocity fastball. Uh, but he, he's also prone to walk some guys. He's just wild. He threw a couple wild pitches over the weekend that cost them. You know, he leads the team this year. I think he has eight now on the season. Um, and I didn't really understand on Thursday. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it now because bottom line is they won the series. But Hunter Hodges came in in the eighth and got them out of a jam. There were bases loaded with nobody out. Um, and he got them out of the jam. Or he came in the seventh, excuse me, and got them out of this jam, kept it a one-run game. Case they had a one-run lead at the time. Um, and then they went to Garrett. They scored in the top of the eighth inning. And they went to Garrett Wright in the eighth, and they were asking him to get a six-out save. And, I mean, Garrett, like, he can do that. He can be stretched out a little bit. But it just seemed like you were asking a lot of him in that situation because he got through the eighth with no problem. He came out for the ninth and got a leadoff walk. 
And there was some bad umpiring going on there. Like he got squeezed a little bit on a couple sliders to start that AB. Uh, and there was a, a check swing that looked like a pretty obvious strike that they uh, said he didn't go around and let, you know, let the guy get to first base and end up being a leadoff walk. But anyway, Wright struggled over the weekend. And so I'm not sure what, you know, that closer situation looked like. I think it will still be in Garrett's hands. Uh, but you don't have a lot of room for error, obviously, at this point in the season. Uh, but bottom line, TCU, they play K-State Wednesday morning. I'm feeling pretty good about the postseason chances at the moment. And we'll wrap things up next. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Final thing for you. Uh, we'll talk more about this tomorrow, potentially. The Pac-12, Big 12 news continues. The latest from Brett McMurphy is that the uh, Pac-12 and ESPN talks have broken down. So ESPN is not looking at them as a tier one um, opportunity anymore. And what that means is basically ESPN does not want exclusive rights to Pac-12 content. They still might do some Pac-12 games. I imagine in the end they probably will if the conference stays intact. But they're not taking the main bulk of Pac-12 games like they have in the past. So, you know, another kind of wrinkle to the saga. I think the longer this drags in the summer, the better it is for the Big 12, as many people have said. Um, I'm kind of at the point where I'm just ready for some resolution to happen so we can move on. But the Pac-12 continues to search for a TV deal, and it's not happening. It really looks more and more every day like Brett Yormark was very savvy to get out in front of this and go ahead and get a deal done, even if it might have not, might have not been the best deal in the world, just because George Glykoff is, is floundering right now, trying to get something for the Pac-12 um, to at least be stabilized and you know continue on. That'll do it for Lockdown Horn Frogs today. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Uh, it's your team every